Hey, everybody, this is Heidi St. John. Welcome to the Heidi St. John podcast. And I have a very good friend of mine back on the podcast uh, with me today. Many of you guys have been listening to me at the show with other guests and out on the road and through my books talking about the importance of legacy and passing on a legacy to our children and parenting our children with our grandchildren in mind. So my friend Steve Lambert is back on the show with me today. Stick around. I think you're going to be encouraged. So I'm excited to have my friend Steve Lambert back on the show with me today. Steve and I have been friends for many, many years. Steve has worn many hats in his 68 years. Pastor, uh, he's an author, a speaker, a stockbroker, or he was in a past life. And together, he and his wife, my friend Jane Claire Lambert, created and published a curriculum five called Five in a Row. And this homeschool curriculum has been a homeschool mainstay for uh, nearly 25 years. The Lamberts began homeschooling their children in 1981. And today, their seven grandchildren are being homeschooled as well and range in age from 18 months to 18 years. Steve has been a blessing in my life and in the lives of my seven children and my husband uh, for many years. And I'm just thrilled to have him back on the show. Thank you so much, Steve, for joining me today. Hey, thank you so much, Heidi. It's great to be with you again. So you and I have a long uh, history of talking about pretty much every conversation, you know, every topic under the sun. But one of the things lately that has been on my heart, and I know that it's been on your heart, is this idea of, of of legacy and passing on to our children a godly legacy. And we had a conversation some time ago about the things that quiet our witness, things that sort of keep us from walking in right relationship with God, and they end up messing it up. And this legacy that we wanted to have for our children is, is well, I don't want to say stolen from us because it's not stolen. We literally forfeit it, you know, like uh, Esau giving up his birthright. We give up our birthright through um, hidden sin and things that we keep allowing into our lives over and over and over again. And eventually it robs us not only of legacy, and we've certainly seen this happen in the homeschool movement. We've seen it happen with pastors and teachers over the many years that, uh, that we've been uh, observing ministry. But you had a really important uh, thought. And I that's really what I want to uh, frame this this particular podcast around. And you were talking about the root of sin always being found in our unwillingness to trust God to meet our needs. What do you mean by that? Well, I, I just have come to appreciate as I've gotten older, and believe me, I'm I'm a lot older now than when you and I first met, that Every sin I can think of, whether it's, you know, whether it's gluttony, gluttony or covetousness or sexual immorality, everything you can think of has its uh, root in um, our desire to fulfill a God-given need in our lives by our own hand, rather than trusting God to meet those needs in his time and in his way and within the boundaries of his word. So, you know, we all have a need, for example, for uh, intimacy in our lives. I mean, pleasure, sexual pleasure is a God-given gift. Uh, the, the intimacy of closeness with another human being is something that the Lord intended for us all to be a blessing of sorts. But when we go outside of God's word and we begin to look for that in inappropriate sexual relationships that are outside the boundaries of the Bible, you know, what was intended to be a blessing suddenly turns into a sin. And you said earlier, as you were in your introduction, that so often, 
it quiets our witness. Uh, so often the thing, the reason that people are not able to be bold in their faith in their community, in the workplace, and perhaps most painfully of all in their own family, in their own marriage, is because of shame, because of guilt, because either they've done or are currently doing something that makes them realize I don't, I'm not the person that I appear to be. The man that I am on the uh, inside is quite different from the from the image that I project. And I really feel like a hypocrite to be lecturing anybody else on this particular area of their lives when I'm completely failing in that area of my own life. And the result is tragic because our children grow up not knowing the Lord, not having parents who are actively involved in their, in their children's spiritual formation because mom or dad is so embarrassed by their inability to conquer the gluttony or the gossip or the covetousness or Perhaps they're cheating on their taxes or cheating on their spouse or stealing from their employer or whatever it is, uh, quiets their witness in a way that their legacy is is knocked out. You and I were just talking the other day about the fact that during um, the greatest generation, as it's known today, back during uh, the 30s and 40s, 65 percent of families in America uh, pro- professed a Christian faith. In my generation, the baby boomers post-World War II, it's about 32%. In your generation uh, of Gen Xers, it's about 16%. And in millennials today, it's less than 4% believe or hold a Christian worldview uh, or actively involved in the Christian faith. And it's because we have failed. I have failed. My generation has failed. And now in so many, so many cases, your generation of Gen Xers in their 40s are failing to pass on the spiritual legacy that God intended for our children and our grandchildren to have. And there's a lot of reasons for that. We've we've co-opted that and, and outsourced it to the church or to VBS or to VeggieTales. And those are all good things. Those aren't bad things, but those are completely incomplete. Um, you have, uh, I was just talking with a friend the other day, you know, we each have about 250 hours a month with our children when they're not sleeping or they're not in school, 250 hours a month in which to impact them. Churches typically have about three hours a month to have a spiritual impact on our children's lives. So it's not up to the church. It's up to us. The Bible says the church's job is to train and equip you and I for the works of service so that we can leave a legacy with our kids. But if our personal testimony is compromised, if there's sexual sin or financial sin uh, in our lives hidden from view, the things that we're doing in private that nobody else sees, more often than not, the enemy closes our mouths. And we sit meekly while our children are left to the wolves. Mm, it's so true. And as I'm, I'm, you know, as you're talking, I can't help but think about all the things that have happened in the homeschool community, you know, over the years or through people who, you know, who God has given platform to. And we forget that when the Lord gives us platform, the first platform we are given uh, is is the platform with our children. It parenting is a platform. It's an opportunity to speak into the life of another human being and to impact their life, hopefully for eternity. And yet so many of us are struggling with private sin. You and I have talked about this a lot, you know, the, the little places of our heart, the things where people aren't listening. Uh, I've spoken many times about, you know, my struggle to watch things on Netflix that are, that are not, that are not going to hurt me. 
And I think we don't even realize, I think sometimes, you know, we're watching things and, you know, in your spirit, you're like, we make excuses, right? We say, oh, I would never do that. I know that's wrong. It's not going to change my opinion. I know that it's sin, blah, blah, blah. But yet we allow it to uh, to literally um, hijack our witness and to quiet our witness because all of a sudden in the quiet places of our heart, we're watching uh, adultery take place on Netflix and we're making excuses for watching it. So I think sometimes people think, oh, it's a big sin. But I think it's the little ones that really end up uh, doing and, and well, obviously the big ones do damage too, but the little ones over time, like a dripping, you know, like a drip that doesn't get taken care of, um, end up eroding the foundation of our families. And and I think part of this is, and you and I have also talked about this a lot, this idea of passing a legacy onto our children. The Bible doesn't let grandparents off the hook. Uh, Psalm 78 talks about an impact for four generations. It, it addresses parents first, but then it says, you're teaching your children, so they'll tell their children, and in turn, they will tell their children, and they will tell a generation yet to be born. And I think the point of that is the decisions that we make today impact four generations, and so grandparents don't get to get off the battlefield. We need them. What do you say, Grandpa Steve? <laughs> <laughs> no, that's exactly right, Heidi. Uh yeah, we've talked about that often, and the the idea of retirement is purely a, a first world twentieth century concept, I think, uh, and I don't think it has any place in God's economy. You know, we we're we are born on a battlefield. There is a war raging around us, and the victims uh, and the suffering and the pain are quite real in the spiritual battle for for uh, the lives of our children, our grandchildren, and and our community and grandparents continue to have a role. You may not be going to a job every day, but you've got a job to do. And, but when we allow sin to get a foothold in our life, it's only a matter of time till it becomes a stronghold in our life. And once that happens, um, our, our ability to speak with clarity into the lives of our children and grandchildren is compromised. If not completely silenced, we, I've, you and I have talked about this before many times, but I have for years kind of visualized this life we live as a relay race. I ran a few relay races in junior high school. I wasn't a great athlete, uh, but I did do a little track and field and played a little football only in middle school. I wasn't good enough to do it in high school. But the concept of a relay race uh, is when, you know, you run your leg of the race and then you're handed, you hand the baton off to the next person. And and the lead in that race uh, changes and shifts from one leg of the relay to the next. And over the course of, of four legs of the relay, one one team may be ahead, and then that next runner stumbles and falls and doesn't run his leg well, and suddenly his team falls behind. And um, so for me, I, I have a sense that for a variety of reasons, I wasn't in a particularly good place when life handed me the baton, uh, but my wife and I have run hard to try to hand our baton off to our children in a little better place. Maybe we were in last place in an 18 relay when we started life uh, because of circumstances, but maybe we handed off the baton to our kids in fourth place and they're running strong and maybe they're going to hand the baton off to our grandchildren in second place. And maybe our Grandchildren will run the race strong and pass the baton off in first place to my great-grandchildren. So, yeah, I, there's no such thing as retirement, particularly in the realm of, of fighting for our, for our family, fighting for God's kingdom, advancing his kingdom, because the powers of darkness are real, and we are 
in a real, literal life and death struggle um, that goes on around us on a daily basis, whether we're aware of it or paying attention or not. Yeah, that's exactly right. And I have a, as you know, I have a brand new book out called Prayers for the Battlefield. It's actually not out. It comes out in just a couple of weeks. And uh, I'm getting ready to travel to Iowa. And I'll be talking at a women's conference there about the battlefield. And really, the first time I heard, I mean, I, I grew up reading reading God's Word. I, I know all about the armor of God. But the first time I really heard anybody frame it, like we are on a battlefield, was you. And it was years and years ago at a homeschool conference. And you were talking about the fact that we have been born on a battlefield and we live in between the time that Christ came and the time he's coming back. And you compared it to uh, what happened. I I think you compared it to uh, World War II. But can you kind of give that example again to the men and women who are listening to this so that they kind of can put in perspective how important it is to guard their witness and to continue to stay on the battlefield? Yeah, absolutely. I love history in general and military history in particular. I think war brings out the best and the worst in the natural realm of, of human beings. And so I've always been fascinated whether it was Napoleonic War or Civil War. But in World War II, uh, the story that you're referring to was that really the entire outcome of the battle boiled down to whether or not uh, June 6th, 1944, was going to be successful. That's the day we now know as D-Day, in which the Allies planned an invasion on the French coast. Uh, and if they succeeded, then everybody in the world, including Hitler himself, understood that it's just a matter of time until they can march across France into Germany and eventually into Berlin. And in fact, that's exactly what happened. It was only 11 months later, on April 30th of 1945, that Hitler committed suicide and they surrendered on, on uh, um, May the 8th. So there was a, 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 a titanic struggle that took place and Hitler threw everything he had to prevent the allies from landing, uh, knowing that the outcome was sealed if they succeeded. And that's the same way in which uh, I've often likened the fact that, that the enemy, that Satan threw everything he had against Jesus in his first appearance on this earth, having every boy under the age of two murdered, tempting Jesus in the wilderness, all the things that he could do because he understood that if Jesus successfully lived a sinless life and was uh, died and overcame death and was resurrected, it was just a matter of time until millions and millions of his followers walked down that same path and overcame death, and which ultimately meant it's only a matter of time until Jesus returns and Satan is cast forever into the lake of fire. And so like that day, uh, a D-Day, June 6, 1944, uh, Jesus entered the world, and we live in that in-between time. But the interesting part is World War II had been going on since 1939, 1940, uh, Eastern Front in North Africa, in the Pacific, and so forth, but all over Europe. And even once D-Day occurred, uh, there were more casualties in that last 11 months of the war than in the previous five years combined, even though the outcome was already determined. Once we successfully landed in France, it was only a matter of time until Hitler was gone. But the enemy, in this case Hitler, raged against the Allies and left all kinds of booby traps and mines and equipped uh, citizens and civilians with guns to try to kill Allied forces as they advanced through German communities. The carnage was terrific, and that's where we live now. The, the, the landing, the beachhead was established 2,000 years ago, 
And now we're just waiting for the mop-up operation in which the enemy is, is banished forever to the lake of fire and Jesus returns as triumphant king. But the war that rages around us is horrific and the casualties are many, physical casualties. I mean, cancer, grinding automobile accidents, abortion, genocide, all of that is a, is a function of a raging enemy who's fighting in his last moments before uh, his fate is sealed. But we're naive and foolish to think that that we're just here for our own amusement and that this is just a walk in the park. It's not. And you were born with a mark on your back. And when you chose to follow Jesus, the mark was moved to your chest. And when you had children and began to, to, to try to impact the next generation and leave a legacy, the target was increased in size. And anybody, as I've heard you teach many a time, you know, if, if the, the Bible talks about you know, a, a lion seeking to devour us. If you honestly believe for even a moment that there was a real lion in your backyard seeking to devour your children, you would be incredibly cautious hmm. uh, and wise in how you sent your children out to play. But we wander through life naively thinking that this life exists for our present pleasure. And uh, that's probably a longer example than you wanted to hear, but maybe some of the guys who happen to be listening will appreciate it. I love military history, but that's that's the bottom line. If we're going to leave a legacy, we have to be wise and know that there's a war raging around us and that there is a very real enemy who wants to destroy you, destroy your witness, your children, your grandchildren, and generations beyond. Yep, that's exactly right. And for uh, the parents who are listening to this, I mean, this, this kind of t- it kind of circles back around to why education is so important and why I have been speaking on the homeschool circuit. I know I, like you, I think, was an accidental homeschooler. I didn't, I never set out to homeschool my kids. I didn't want to. I, I frankly was just like, what sane woman in her right mind would choose to be locked up with her kids for 18 years in a row with no hope of reprieve? But I recognized, uh, because the Lord really opened my eyes to it when our 20, almost 27 year old daughter was in second grade, that this is a war. And it really does matter who's teaching our children. And so that's why an education, hello, it's a battlefield in and of itself. And I think parents need to recognize this is a battle. And I, we only have two minutes left, Steve, but I thought something really powerful. You you and I talked about this a few weeks ago, that the church that you attend, Abundant Life Church, where my friend Phil Hopper is the senior pastor there, they've done something really interesting with their children's ministry, I think, in light of recognizing the battle. Can you kind of uh, maybe take just a minute and say why, you know, what they did and why they did it? Yeah, they're actually uh, just this summer in the process of making a significant change in, in ministry. They've converted uh, vacation Bible school into family Bible school, where it involves all the kids and the parents. They have done away with not their Sunday school program on Sunday mornings, but their midweek. Uh, they had hundreds of, of uh, children coming to that uh, you know, uh, kindergarten through fifth grade. And they've done away with that program and div- diverted the resources from that into training and equipping parents and providing them with weekly resources that are related to what's going on in the church, the sermons that are being preached, so the parents can pick up the, the reins and actually take responsibility for working with their children uh, in forming spiritual foundations. And uh, I think it's a great thing. I mean, they're still doing middle school and high school uh, midweek, but but they recognize that in the end, uh, you know, in 45 minutes on Sunday and, and 90 minutes on Wednesday is not enough to change the legacy that we leave for our children. It has to be the parents uh, who make the difference. And the legacy is, I mean, that's what matters. I'm at an age now, 
approaching 70 in which legacy is everything. You know, what am I going to leave behind? It's it's not going to be the stuff. It's going to be the impact for God's kingdom that I left behind on my children, my grandchildren, uh, my friends, my neighbors, and my community. That's exactly right. Well, I hope that, um, Steve, thank you so much for, for uh, coming on the show again with me today and sharing some of your wisdom. And uh, I appreciate it. I know everybody's going to be blessed. I really love you. And I love Jane. And I just appreciate your taking the time to hang out with me today. Thank you, Heidi, for having me. It's always fun to be on your show. Jane and I love you, Jay, and your kids. And we have a profound and uh, spiritual appreciation for the impact that you're having uh, and the legacy that you're leaving through your ministry. Thank you so much. Well, you know the feeling is mutual. For those of you who want more information about Steve Lambert, uh, I will leave information about him, links to their ministry. He and his wife, Jane, own and publish five in a row. It's a fantastic curriculum. Uh, and we have loved it in our family, and I know you'll love it in yours. Also, um, if you want to another, uh, if, if this is your first time listening to Steve, I did a podcast with him uh, last month. You'll have access to that. We'll link back to that at the show notes today as well. In the meantime, I hope you guys have a fantastic weekend. I hope you're enjoying your families as we get ready to ramp up for another school year. Remember that we are on a battlefield and your witness matters. For more encouragement, visit me online at thebusymom.com.